Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The deals are getting hotter during the dear days of summer. Get 0% financing for 60 months on all John Deere compact tractors. Plus, get a best-in-class six-year powertrain warranty at no additional cost. Hurry in today for the hot deals of summer. Offer ends August 2nd, 2016, subject to approved installment credit with John Deere Financial. Terms, conditions, exclusions, and warranty limitations apply. See dealer for details. Visit your local John Deere dealer today to take advantage of special savings going on now. Find out more at myjohndeeredealer.com. If you feel there's more to life than iPhones and iPads and mindless consumerism, if you're open to receiving information in all forms in any number of ways, if organized religion, organized political movements, and any kind of collectivism doesn't just quite cut it for you, if you engage in critical thinking, if you think for yourself, if you have peace and love in your heart and Jack Daniels in your bloodstream, if you believe that seriousness is a disease, if you're curious, then come, let us go on a journey together as we explore the outer limits of inner truth. Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show, OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight we have a very special guest, Mr. Jeff Casper. Website is SelfUnification.com. Jeff is going to talk to us tonight about his energy healing work. I see the type of work that Jeff is doing as having some similarity to the work of Stuart Wilde and Chris Krepsik. It's pretty cutting edge. It's like DNA of the soul, and the way Jeff discusses it is almost if, an, almost if a scientific mindset. In the mainstream culture, if we talk about the sixth sense or anything outside of the scientific mind, you can easily be considered fringe. However, look how much you're potentially missing out on by casting aside all this uh, valuable information. If you're seeking to heal yourself and evolve, why should there be any limitation on what you can do to achieve that? Why not utilize science to help chemically balance your brain? Why not utilize psychology to build a foundation of mental coping skills? Why not use energy healing and meditation to calm your spirit? Everything we need or could ever want can be at the very tips of our fingers. Anyway, tonight we proudly present now our interview with Chapter 92, Mr. Jeff Casper. Joining us today is Jeff Casper. Jeff is an energy worker. He's got the ability to shift his perception and to heal people on a etheric energy level. He is a lecturer. He works with people and helps them heal, helps them grow, helps them evolve. He is a spiritual teacher. And he's, uh, he's got a substantial number of people that are, are following him. He's got a substantial number of events that are happening that are just selling out like crazy. And on top of that, he's very well-built, jacked. Please welcome to the show Mr. Jeff Casper. So, Mr. Casper, if you're able to talk yes. to someone, you're having a conversation, someone at the bus stop, you want to give them a long story short, what can you tell about what you do in terms of your energy healing? What kind of energy healing work do you do? You know, the stuff we do is a couple of different things. When I do clearings, which is individually, like if I worked with you individually, I work to go into kind of a meditative state and I connect with your energy, see kind of what's going on. And I say see, it should be sense, but my first... Um, my first level is always vision. I've always had that just who I work. But lately, it's also about how they feel, 
what's going on. So I dig deep into that. And the clearings are usually to see what's going on that's blocking them. So that's kind of more like a, uh, I guess you call it kind of plumbing. You know, you go in and see what's okay. going on and you work with that plumbing stuff. So, yeah, and you kind of work with them. You work to clear that. And then I give them a report and then we talk about it afterwards, what some patterns are going on and how to kind of help change their life. Right, so you go into a meditative state and what do you do? How do you focus on a person's energy, especially you have to be physically present or you can they be remote? Most of the stuff I do is remote, and you can do it. You can do it physically, of course, like in the present. Um, but most of, I'd say, probably ninety percent of what I do right now um, is remote. And you know, a lot of people think, oh, "Okay, whatever, mumbo jumbo." But you'd be shocked what people experience. You know, they call me the next day, saying they feel better than they have in ten years. They saw experiences themselves. You know, they could feel things shift. I mean, it's it's a cool experience, and it's just a matter of you know linking in with their energy. Which you learn over right now, how would you lock on to someone's energy? Would you need a picture? Would you need a voice? Like, how would you? I mean, there are billions of people on the planet. So, how are you able to completely <laughs> identify, not only lock in on their energy field, but then what are you doing? Like, you're, you remain in your physical body, and you, yes. what do you do? You vision, you're able to what, see their energy remotely? Yeah, typically what you do now, you can do it with a picture, but you can also just do it with a name, you know, as long as there's an intention. That, you know, let's say you sign up, Ryan, you say, okay, Thursday night at 10 o'clock your time, let's say whatever, I'm going to do this, and we agree to it. That's an intention. And as soon as there's an intention, there is a link okay. there. And there's research showing that, all kinds of stuff. You know, of course, I don't have that with me right now, but there is research there. But you can also do it with a picture, you know. So it's a combination. Typically, I use a picture because, again, I'm a pretty visual guy. Um, but lately, I've also done it just with names, and it works just as well. Okay. So you lock on their energy, and then what happens when you lock in their energy? You said you have maybe have a visualization of a person's energy field. Now, what is there? What is the visualization to you of a person's energy field, and what are you looking for if you were to describe to it um, a visualization of it? You know, it, and again, it, it can vary so much. But you know, a lot of times you're going to get colors, you're going to get sensations, you're going to get feelings in your own body of where their own blocks are at. Other times, you know, it. If they're really, really linked in with you, you can go into their system a bit and see where the blocks are at. You can even sit physically feel them. And then you kind of make notes. And then I work with, you know, a lot of times I work with just the heart field. And I work with the heart field of the person to help them kind of clear themselves as well as the energy I use for my own system. Okay, now, when you say blocks, an energy field, what are you referring to? What, what would you describe as blocks? Are these things that people are hanging on to? Are these regrets? Are these uh things of people that they haven't forgiven? Like, what are the blockages? All those things you just described. Sometimes it can be um, just blocks because their energy is slow in a certain area. They took on something. Uh, it can be regrets. It can be emotions. It can be mental loops. Other times, you know, just due to the way they're exercising or way that their life is, they have slowdowns in certain spots. And those slowdowns can be from when they were ch children. You know, it can be from inner child block. It can be from all kinds of things. It can also be things that were projected upon them by family, by loved ones, by, um, you know, their partners, et cetera. So it can be a lot of different things. There can be hooks. There can be blocks. Their chakras can be blocked. There's multiple different ways. And it shows up. You know, and I'm not trying to be vague, but it can be multitude. It can look as a black box. It can feel as a tension in their chest. It can feel itchy. Um, you'll sometimes see it as a hook. You know, it, it's all kinds of things. It's crazy how it okay, changes. Okay, now going on the part when it comes to blocks, you're talking about being infringed upon them, pushed upon them by family, friends, or people around them. How does that necessarily happen? What is it the um, is it the intention of the person who's trying to hurt them? Is that override the person's confidence, and that is why? That block happens. How does that? 
it can generally happen? It can. A lot of times, too, we've got programs and patterns that we've had in our system for a long time. So let's say a good example is a victim program. If I've got a victim program built in me, that's going to pull to me someone who's going to try to fix me or attack me. So if you have an overlying victim program going through you, and let's say you've had that since childhood, you know, or let's say you've had pleasing as a childhood, it brings in things. So it lines things up either karmically, family-wise, or even like just energetically where you're going to bring those people into your life. And those experiences are going to be there for you to have a chance to change those and grow or add to the block. Okay. Now, you know what you're describing? It's very interesting. You're you're describing the concept from what you perceive as a human soul as that of a computer where you can modify, you can change the hard drive. Would you say that would be pretty much true or how you describe your, your work that you do? It's very, you know, what you said is kind of, it's a good analogy because, you know, you're, you're, we all have a program we run. You know, we all have an energetic system we run. And whatever we focus on, whatever we run as our program, either as consciously as we are or unconsciously as we are, depending upon the person, is what we get. You know, so there's an old saying, you, you do well on what you dwell on. And that's very true. You know, so if you dwell on negativity, if you dwell on, let's say, guilt or shame, that's kind of what you're going to bring in. Now, if you dwell on that only part of the time, you only get that part of the time. But you see what I'm getting yeah. at? Yeah. Now, when you say energy yeah. box, I mean, literally speaking, what would be some of the results of a person who has a prolonged energy block throughout their life? And also, there's two more questions that if they, if they come to you and they get these blocks cleared, which is right. not to say that those blocks will not reemerge if they do not uh, choose to um, convert or change their perception about how they felt about those original blocks. Right, and that's the thing. I mean, the, the blocks will show up. I'll answer your first question. They'll show up as you'll have a, a, an energy loss somewhere in your life or you'll feel lack somewhere or you'll feel tight in your chest or you'll feel like, you know, you're not good enough, um, you're over-controlling. Lots of those patterns, and it's very similar to some of the psychology stuff you'll hear about, um, but they show up. There's always an energetic component or emotional component involved. If you get the blocks removed from me or someone else or you do it yourself, if you don't change, there's a real good chance they're going to come right back. They may change or shift a bit, but they're going to come back. Okay. Now, this way you describe a person's spirit or you describe the energy blocks, is that in some place that is parallel to our reality? Like Where, like where is the physical place of that spirit? Is that um, on on top of the person's physical body or is that in a parallel universe, which is... Um, I guess Stuart Wilde and Chris Kretzik have referred to as the Aluna. Right. You know, and I think it's kind of a combination. I think the energetic system around you is is always there. And I think Stuart talked about that many times. He could sense and see the energetic pattern that was in the person. And that's the same thing as the Aluna. I think the Aluna is just a way for people to link in and feel that. And a lot of things can happen there. You've got multiple worlds that can occur. You've got more worlds than you can imagine, you know. And I think a lot of times when the Aluna stuff pops up, if I'm working with you and you've got a control issue, or if I'm working with myself and I've got a control issue, I may be linked to one of those lunar worlds that creates that link or that tie or that even that pull to that spot. Does that make sense? Yes, and also just going a little yeah. bit, describing a little bit more about the Aluna. What is the incomparable difference between who you are here in the physical presence and what your um are what you're like in the Aluna? Like, how does that uh, what does it compare? Well, the lunar aspect you're talking about, that's energetic okay. aspects. So the energetic aspects are always underneath whatever you've got going on. So if you have a facade of Mr. Nice Guy, 
or Mrs. Nice Guy, and deep underneath that, you've got a severe control program, the energetic aspect or the Aluna aspect is going to show that a lot faster. In the 3D world, you may have like a little snarl on one side of your face, or you may be a bit, um, you know, for lack of a better world, you may look a bit more devilish than normal because you're starting to show up. Those patterns you have inside are starting to show up on the outside. Does that yeah. make sense? It does okay. make sense. And also, if you have a person who is kind of like maybe they're just doing the bare minimum in this world and they're really trying yeah. to grow their spirit and they're trying to go on that path from, let's say, ego to spirit, are you going to see a, a stronger or more commanding energy presence of themselves in the Aluna than you are going to see of them in the physical waking 3D reality? Well, what you're going to see, it, it, it takes time, you know, and you, it's a process. Now, sometimes, too, you can have a, a, moment, a momentary experience of, let's say, God or a very high energetic experience that can change you in a, in a second. Um, you know, but what will happen over time is you'll start to see a person look more soft. They'll look more symmetrical. Um, they'll look more solid and their energy will become more light. So they'll have a different presence about them because as they begin to get past their own material, which is typically their emotions and their mind, what you'll start to see is they emanate a field more like a neutrality field or a field of the heart, which is more like love. And that'll have a different um, expression than before. They'll be more radiant. Does that yeah. make sense? This makes more yeah. sense. And, you know, we're talking about one life. Or we're talking about the life that we are currently living in this life, physical life incarnation. Well, what about the other lives right. that other people that we've lived throughout the other periods of time, past, well, past and future? Is there anything that we can actually do um, to heal those other lives and do those other lives affect our waking reality of this physical life? I think the past ones do. The 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 the, pre the future ones haven't happened yet. So those are always going to be, you know, potentially changed as you continue to grow. Now, obviously what I mean is as a person's energy goes, they have a certain pattern they can follow because their energy is at a certain level. And what happens is as that level changes, the potentialities around them change. So you're aligning to the potential future at all times. The past lives, yes, you can definitely pull those up. You can work through the processes in this life, and that will help heal everything. Now, how is that possible? What happens? What, how do you actually heal your your past lives? And also, what if you had lived a previous life um, that was, say, for example, was extremely painful, but it was mm -hmm. for the greater good of your evolution, like you learned so much, yet you right. have that pain still associated with it. How could that life, in one way, be a positive and negative and maybe still be pulling you down? How do those other previous lives affect you in waking reality of the life that we come to know now? You know, you got to be careful with past life stuff. And, and I'll say this because we always have potentialities we bring in. But as we get more and more expansive, you're linked to all lives, you know. So you've got to be a bit careful there. But if you look at the lives you can feel, let's say you have a strong feeling that I, some other life I was a raging addict or I went through some really low energetic experiences, you bring that forward. There's karmic debt typically that you bring forward and you work through it in this life. So a good example would be, let's say I was in a relationship five years ago and I was kind of a jerk. I can't necessarily heal with that person. I can make amends and I can try to do the best I can, but my whole focus is, okay, I learned from that and I change it moving forward. So my next relationship, I try not to do those things. Same thing with lives. If I was a really low energetic being in a different life and I can feel that, I can feel a karmic pull to that because we typically do come here to do work, then I work to get better in this life and that heals the whole process. 
that debt has been paid. Does yes, that make so sense? by realizing and understanding what some of your other lives are, understanding who you are on an energy level then, and then by making amends to, let's say, pivot in an opposite direction, you're in essence healing the karma from those previous lives. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, and that's the thing, because typically what happens, a big issue with working with our shadows is forgiving the past, accepting that we're human, that we have that we're fallible, we can make mistakes. That's a major part of this work is accepting that I'm not always going to do the right thing. I'm going to do the best I can, and sometimes we find out what we thought was the best five years ago was actually harming people and ourselves. So then, you, again, you change and you shift moving forward. Okay. Now, you know, you touched upon something interesting. You're talking about shadow, but there's two things that we've, I've learned going on your site and listening to some of your teachings is that there's a regular shadow, and then there's a white shadow. Can you please explain to someone who okay. doesn't know anything about what shadow is and what shadow work is? Sure, absolutely. Shadow work, you know, it's the process of going into all of our emotional traits and all of our mental loops, the things that we try to keep hidden from ourselves or others. So you're going to have patterns of pleasing. You're going to have patterns and cycles of guilt and shame and anger and fear, all these emotions that can keep us locked into typically our ego. Our ego wants us to stay the same. So the shadow are those things, those defensive mechanisms that keep us in in line and keep us in what we know what's been normal for us since those patterns were developed. And the majority of those patterns are developed in our childhood years and our formative years. As we grow up, we learn ways to hide. We learn ways to defend ourselves. We learn ways to check out so we don't feel pain. Okay. The problem is, is over time, we, we begin to think that is us and the, the part we hid away isn't. So that's the shadow. So the whole process of shadow work is to look at those things in a different light, to, to allow them to come forward and accept them and work through them. Because through that, then you get back to that hidden part that's been sitting there for a very long time. The white shadow is a tricky one. The white shadow is the one, it's that facade you put on. It's Mr. Nice Guy. It's the guy that says, oh, yeah, I'll do that for you. you bet, oops, sorry. I'll, I'll do that for you, you know, and I'll do this for you, and I'll do those things. But there's always an agenda behind it. Okay. So, that, so I'll do this, I'll do that, but I better get this in return. Got it. And you're talking about working through your shadow, um, working with it. There's a tendency, I guess, there's some people think that, okay, well, you know, if you have a negative aspect about yourself or you're feeling negative emotions, you're feeling negative thoughts, maybe the first goal is to reject them. But is there a proper yeah. way of maybe not just rejecting them, but actually embracing them and offer them healing because that yes. energy, while not exactly pleasing, while not exactly you know making you feel good, it is a part of you. And is that yes. what what happens when you? What is the difference between embracing that and rejecting it? Do you actually kind of let the shadow grow stronger, let it grow more intense? Yeah, by rejecting it, you're basically denying it. So deny is defense. You know, deny is saying I don't want that part of me. And it's part of you. So by denying it and rejecting it, you're just making it stronger. It's basically sitting there saying, see me, see me, see me, see me, love me, work with me. And you're saying, nope, not going to. I'm not ready. And sometimes you're not ready, and that's that's fine. Sometimes it takes a bit of time to get to certain aspects because some of them you can jump into right off the bat. Other times it takes some time, and that's that's understandable. But by constantly denying it, you're just making it worse. Hey, you know, so what about your shadow? I mean, what, how, to what degree, or what, le what percentage of the, is that of your total consciousness in waking reality? Is that just, is that, uh, is that an actual live, conscious being, or is that something separate within you, or is that actually that could be you, totally? That's a good, that's a good question. You know, and it depends upon the person because if a person truly accepts their ego, 
as who they are, which the majority of society does, that is you, you know, but underneath that is another part. That's that part of you that the eternal soul part, the part that is linked to your heart. And that part is the one that's wanting to come forward for most people. Now, many people choose not to listen to it. They're so, and a lot of times they're so locked up in their lives and, and doing what they're supposed to do and, you know, jobs and work and family. Sometimes they don't even feel it. And that's maybe their journey for this lifetime. But for some of us, there is that momentary thing of, hey, this doesn't quite feel right. You know, I can feel that I'm being fake. I can feel that I'm I'm hiding part of myself. I can feel that I'm denying part of my existence. And that's usually the people that start to want to go on this journey in some shape or form. Okay. So if people are, let's say, for example, that they have a lot of inundated with shadow, shadow and they're inundated with all these different byproducts of shadow, maybe anxiety, right. anger, depression, if they embrace it and they, let's say, for example, embrace it and they clear it out, what kind of lifestyle can one expect to live if they've transcended their shadow or if they've gone about and cleared a lot of these energy blockages? Well, they're more free. They're more free to be who they are. They're more comfortable with themselves, and they can work on becoming more aligned to their heart much easier because now they know more who they are. And then what also on top of that occurs is that when those patterns come back up, let's say you have an anger pattern, you've worked through it, um, or you have a control issue and you work through it, you can literally sit there and say, okay, my control issue is coming up, and I choose to go a different way. It gives you more opportunities. As a person's energy um, signature or their energy level, and I mean that not like there's levels, but as their energy begins to vibrate faster and they have more energy and they're at a higher conscious level, they have more options. Okay. As a person gets lower and lower, their options and tools become less and less. Got it. And are they... As they're less and less, are they more inclined to be taken advantage of, have be a victim of an accident, something like that? Yeah, I mean, your energy level is what, you know, aligns you to who you are. So if your energy level is at despair, say, or apathy, you're going to pull those things to you, you know, and a law that goes along with that. If you're aligned to neutrality, at least, or if you're aligned to courage, you're going to pull those things to you. So that's the whole thing is you work to increase your vibratory rate or your energetic level um, from a lower vibrational pattern to a higher, not trying to get into a dualistic process there, but just the concept so people get it. They have a higher opportunity to get more and more aligned to that heart field and that divine field, or some people call it celestial. What is the purpose of aspiring to a higher, more plain, more, sorry, more pure plane of spiritual evolution? And is it possible to reach the zenith of spiritual evolution by having a balance between your transgressions and your virtues, by having them in balance instead of just being total uh, celestial? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the fact that we have to accept we're human, and there's limitations to that. You know, there's limitations to the human life. Uh, there's limitations to the physical presence, which is protoplasm, you know, but we can definitely learn to harmonize and balance between our shadow and our heart. You know, because the shadow has a lot of talent in it. It really does. And there's usually hidden gems in every talent or every uh, shadow trait that we have. So as we learn to work through those and we learn to accept who we are fully, then we can choose to change if we want to. And we learn different methods. Okay. And yes, okay. yeah, there is a way to get there. There is a way to get to a very high level. I don't know if there's a zenith, but there's definitely a, a way to get to a very loving or enlightened state. So what are you saying? What do you mean some of the talents you can pull from your shadow? It's so... Uh... What would you do if some of those talents could potentially be? Like, okay, let's say you're very strong, have a very strong guilt pattern, and let's say you've worked really hard on it. 
people who have a strong guilt pattern, there's nothing wrong with guilt. Guilt shows you where you've gone past your, your values or your virtues. And guilt is normal. If I go out and I do something with you, let's say together we hang out, and I do something that offends you, and I realize it, I go, oh, man, I just did something, and I apologize, and I realize there's a bit of guilt there, and I let it go. That's normal guilt. That's the normal process is there for. Excessive guilt, though, is when I go into over and over again of how bad I was and how much I hurt you and all that kind of stuff, and I can't let it go. So people who have excessive guilt, you work to let that go, and you teach them, hey, we all make mistakes. They have a very good determination of what is okay for them and what is not. That's a talent. Okay. That gives them the ability when they walk into a new situation, they can literally feel real quickly, is this okay for me or not? Wow. So that's it's sensitivity. Yes. So that's one example. There's hundreds of them, but that was just the one that came up. Okay. In terms of your work, in terms of blocking and removing all the blocks, if we remove all these blocks, and say, for example, we're in a more free-flowing way of life, is that the doorway out of this reality called the physical earth plane and the gateway towards other potential evolutions that we can experience? Are we basically stuck on earth in this form until we're able to, what, transcend all of our shadows and all of our negativity? You know, there's so many different multitudes of experiences <laughs> and, and, and evolutions that I've seen. That would be hard to say. I think a person probably has a bit of a choice, you know, when they when they pass on or they move on. You know, if they've got unresolved issues that are still affecting them, they probably have multitudes of choices. Because um, there's so many worlds I've seen, it's hard to say where they'd end up. Yes, this one here we live in right now gives you an amazing opportunity to expand. It really does. Yes, there's lots of heaviness and there's lots of negativity, but... The, the speed of this world is so fast. You can you can literally transcend things quickly. So, yes, what I would say is that as you work through, even let's say we work through one karmic pattern we have or one shadow trait, if I release that, what it does is, is that it allows me to have a better or, I wouldn't say better, a, a faster vibrating energy. And that in itself unlocks me from a certain aspect of this world and any other world that I would possibly go to. Okay, and uh, you said you've seen other realities uh, that are out there, other dimensions. Yeah. Can you please describe some of the ones that have really captivated yeah. and caught your attention, and uh, what are some of the properties of some of these realities? You know, it depends on where you're going. I've, I've been to what, what you know, Chris or Stuart would have called hell worlds, and um, and I would probably call them that too, but they're or lower astral planes, whatever you want to call those. Those can be very lethargic. They can be very um, heavy. They can be extremely cold. They can be, um, for lack of a better term, they can be extremely demonic, you know, and in those places, people typically have aspects of themselves stuck because they're working on something or they're continuing a pattern that keeps them there. Um, And then you can go the opposite realm, you know, when you get to those faster vibrating fields or those higher vibrating fields, you can experience loving nature worlds. You can experience worlds that are like what Stuart would call the grail worlds or the Camelot worlds. Or if you get to a really high state, you can get into what they call the void where there's nothing. And then you fill that space up with your heart. And past that would be just linking to the divine itself. Wow. So basically it seems like you have a lot of different options to to basically expand and create your own energy, create your own reality. And Yes. Say there's just as many as you can think. There's probably 10 million more. So So, of all these different realities, we're physically, I mean, I guess we're aware of the one that we're in right now, the physical dimension, the the, the earth dimension. But is our energy present in all these other dimensions that are out there, even the lower asshole planes? That's a good question. And I I would let it up to, or I would um, answer that with what a person's energy is doing. Okay. 
you know, and depending upon what state they're in in that moment, because we all have facets of us that can either elevate us in a second or drop us in a second. You know, we all we're human. We have these things that occur. And as we learn about those and as we accept those, we can, you know, learn to align to, well, we can choose either lower or higher um, with, without making that sound like, you know, a dualistic state. It's more a continuum of a low vibratory field or a slow vibratory field to high. And it's up to a person what they align to. And no matter who you go to for teachings, no matter what you go to for processes or techniques, um, you have to make those choices at some point. Okay. Uh, and I, I've heard this before. I don't know if, who I heard this from or if I may, may have been from Stuart, but apparently that when you when you die in the physical death, you go to whatever is in your heart at that present time. Well, hypothetically speaking, say for example, you're a very good person or you have a lot of right. love in your heart, but you know what? The day you die is the day you basically lost, lost everything. You, you're losing your mind. You're, you're having an anger issue. You're carving over your foot. And you're just grumpy, and then boom, done. You go into right. the reality based on the anger that you had in your life at that present time, or do you get the chance to go into the reality of you know the love and celestial energy that you spread throughout the most of your life? I would say you're going you're to end up where you have been most okay. of your life. Now, if you have unresolved issues that you never looked at, you're probably going to have to look at those. Okay. You know, so if you let's say you've had a really beautiful life and you've worked really hard to give to your family and you've worked really hard to be there for kids if you got them, loved ones, friends, all that kind of stuff, and that's all great. But if you have an unresolved control issue that also dominated part of your life, you're going to have to deal with that. You know, because it's there, and you know your karmic debt. If you pile it up in this life, it's got to be taken care of in the next one or the one after that. So you know you've got to look at those things consistently, and that's not to to, to damn anybody. It's to just, there's consequences for all our actions. And I mean consequences that there's consequences for loving someone. There's consequences for being hateful to someone. So whatever you choose to do either adds to your expansiveness or adds to your contractiveness. And there's nothing wrong, or your contraction, excuse me, that wasn't a word. It's a situation where it's your choice in every single moment of your life. And there's no way to be 100% expansive. And there's probably no way to be 100 percent contraction. That make, so that's kind of what you. Well, have to what look if at. you're completely focused on like see things that would be considered evil? Are you contracting your energy when you're focusing on that? Okay. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, if you're constantly in anger and control, your energy is very tight because you're rigid. So, and if you're in constantly into, you know, let's say you have tons of denial, you have tons of, um, you know, anger and fear, you're constantly in those lower energetic states. There's no way to you to get past that because most of our lowest energetic states are emotional. Then the next step is you work on your mind. You work on being able to take a moment and go into logic or thinking, and that allows you to step back and go, wow, I'm going into my emotions right now. That That's the power of the mind. It's a very powerful thing, but it can also loop us. So then the next step is you have to shift, shift paradigms into the heart. Because the heart is one step past the mind. Okay. And that's what Stuart and many teachers have talked about, is that's the goal. Because once you're in your heart, everything else doesn't work no, anymore. I just have a quick question of a, just maybe a caution. If you're working yeah. on your heart and you're going into your heart chakra and you're playing like you know meditative healings for your heart chakra and you have a lot yeah. of energy coming in, is there a possibility you could actually you could accidentally you know knock yourself from this physical life incarnation by having an excessive amount of energy coming through your heart and heart not being able to process it? So... In one way, like, you know, you, you actually bump yourself out even though you're healing your heart. 
Right. Um, the deepest process that I've had, now I have not had that experience, but I know people who've gotten to that point where they could choose to go on or stay. And that's up to that point, you know, because if you go on, and I, I guess I've had a little bit of that where you can let everything go, you have that choice. Usually what happens, though, is that something pulls you back. It might be the love of your, your family, of your children, even of a dog or a cat. That's usually what, when you go that deep, what pulls you back is do you want to let this go? And I, get, and I would believe that if you kept letting it go, eventually you would. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with that because, our, I mean, our lives are eternal. And, and you know, it, it's, a, it's a situation where when we do die, yes, we leave the physical behind. We leave our egos you know, those those are the falseness of us, or the false the false part of us, excuse me. And that sticks around. We go on. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm most curious when people say, okay, well, you know, don't take life for granted, don't take these moments for granted. But I'm also thinking that if we're internal spirits, and we could pretty much come back as many times as we want, we can live as many experiences as we want. You know, can't you take it for granted? Because it's like, hey, listen, you know, I'm eternal. <laughs> do whatever I want. <laughs> Okay. Again, technically to a degree, but you know, if if you keep on missing yeah. the point, and keep on showing up, <laughs> so keep on showing the same thing over and over again, you're going to get a some form of a two by four whack at some you're point. Get it. <laughs> All right. Um, I know I was reading this interesting blog on your site, and apparently one of the reasons we come and come to the physical earth is we experience evolution right. amongst our family and friends. Now, you have a distinctive teaching or healing about breaking free from your family's karma. Now, I ask you this. Yeah. Why would you want to do that? And wouldn't breaking free from your family's karma or your nation's karma almost negate the very reason why you came into this life at this moment in time anyway? That's a fair question. What I would say is this, is that, that and that's a big question that comes up when people look at that work. They get some people get really afraid of it. Other people have that simple question of, well, why would I want to do that? A lot of the patterns that we have in our lives that maybe are restrictive come from societal or family, societal or family pressures and, and teachings. And there's nothing wrong with those, but if they don't serve you and you don't like them or they feel like they're restrictive in your life, it's hard to get rid of them. So what those processes do is they show a very um, loving way to say, hey, I accept that these patterns were given to me, but I no longer need them. It doesn't mean you won't necessarily use them or you won't let your family go. It's just you're not tied or bound to them anymore. Got it. Okay. So in, that, so in one way, do you think that these uh, these karmic ties or these uh, ties you have to your family, are they like there to teach you lessons or maybe to make you either show you to choose away from them? Yeah, some people do. Uh, you know, some people choose that this isn't for me anymore. And it's typically people have a you know a bit of that ability to set back and go, this doesn't feel right anymore. And I'm talking about anything. It can be anything from an addictive pattern, of, let's say alcoholism. It could be codependency. It could be the pleasing patterns that set up many many problems. It could be, but there's also ones that are very loving. Like if you had a really close father or mother who taught you how to be open to new ideas, that's a great pattern. There's nothing wrong with that. You can keep that. What these processes do is say, I'm going to let go of the ones that no longer serve me, and they're not going to be there anymore. So you may still have them pop up in your life, but they don't rule you anymore. That's the difference. Okay, so can we put this uh, in a context of a person who's highly left brain and left brain, that basically what you're implying, Jeff, is that, again, our spirituality, our spiritual code is like a computer. We can update it. We can take things away, pull things we yeah. want, and modify it so we can get the desired outcome and make it run the way we want. 
Exactly. And that's, that's the big thing, you know, and, and yes, it is very similar to a computer program. I've even seen visions like that. But when it comes down to it, you look at simply like, okay, my output is not what I want. If you want to talk in computer terms, my output's not what I want. And if you really want to get funky and weird with it, you can sit there and look at, okay, some of the processes that, you know, many teachers teach is, a, is almost like a positive virus into a negative program. Wow. Okay. And, and that positive virus starts to multiply if you allow it, and it breaks down the negative program and, or the program that's restrictive. And then you work on that. Now, vice versa, let's say you've worked really hard to be in your heart, and let's say you go through a really bad process. Let's say you've got a breakup, a death of the family, and you question everything. Those negative viruses are also there, and they'll come in and try to challenge that positive program you have going. Wow. See, that's really good. I think, I think it's good. People are really going to be thinking about that and doing a visualization of that. And you know, I'm just curious, what is the significance in the scale of our entire evolutionary process or of someone's evolutionary process when a person forgives another for harming or taking the life of their loved one? Like, where does that put them? How significant is that evolutionary? Uh, sorry, how significant is that in terms of their evolution? It would probably be very significant to the to both, you know, because you know, taking a person's life is, would be, you know. Terrific, I would think, you know, and if a, if I, it happened to me and a person came to me and said, I'm, you know, I understand that you're human and I forgive you for this and please let it go. And if I was willing to do that, it would be probably extremely life altering for both, you know, that that person was willing to let go of the, the damage and suffering caused by that death, even if it was accidental. You know, that would be a huge step, massive step, because a lot of guilt would be there. Now, if a person is a sociopath and has no remorse, it wouldn't do much. Uh, you know, that's the thing. But if a person was, you know, understanding and really suffering from what occurred regardless of the cause, uh, it would be massive. Okay. And there's a lot of talk about saying, well, you know, when we do something, we want to do it for the greater good of humanity, or I'm doing this for the greater good of humanity, right. so for, for love and peace for all. But do you think at some points in time that people should be sometimes be selfish and to focus on their own spirituality and their own evolution, and by focusing on their own evolution, that they are helping yeah. the greater good of humanity? Yeah, because how do you know it's the greatest good? I mean, that's the question. Because here's the problem with good. If my energy level is a certain level and somebody else's energy level is a little bit higher than mine, my idea of what good is is different than theirs. Got it. And the thing is, is that the best thing you can do for yourself is work on you and make you as most or, or as you make make yourself the most you can be by understanding your energetic system understanding who you are letting go of all the pains and the sufferings and the, the defensive mechanisms by doing that you will begin to radiate or emanate a much more soft pure i guess you could use that word but a much more higher vibratory rate and that in turn will add so much to the overall good way better than trying to go out there and do, and I'm, again, I'm not being negative, but like Greenpeace or something like that. You know, the concept of Greenpeace warriors, <laughs> it's an oxymoron in itself. So I would much rather say go and work on yourself than try to go fight for a cause. Because when you say the word fight for a cause, you're already locked in the battle. I already locked to, to it. And, you know, yeah. and I'm sorry to jump around a little bit, but I want to come back to something <laughs> you had said before, going back to shadow work, saying that, you know, sometimes a lot of things happen when you're a kid or when you're a child, and, you know, they, they kind of get locked in. So if you're a parent, what are some of the best lessons you can teach ch your children in order to me minimize the amount of shadow work that they'll have to do later in their life? 
It's a great question. The, the big thing that you can do is first know yourself and know your own shadow traits. And then show your kids that you are human. You can literally sit there and say, man, mommy or daddy or whatever is getting hard, angry right now. I really don't like what you're doing, but let's see if we can work on it. So it's not a guilt or shame game. It's not like, how dare you? It's not, how could you? It's like, man, I don't really like what you're doing right now, but let's see if we can work through it. So if you've got a kid who's experimenting and, you know, plays with a knife and you get freaked out or, you know, goes out and runs around and almost gets hit by a car, you can say, man, that really scares daddy when you do that. Let's talk about that. Let's see if we can find different ways as opposed to how could you do that? You almost died, you know, and, and you get into those pains and sufferings. So the main thing is to first and foremost know yourself and then be human, you know, because a lot of kids think their parents, and they do, they have to, that their parents are basically kind of a version of God until they get a little bit older. But then the program is already there. Have you? You know, the program we receive as a five-year-old is thousands of times already, whatever you've projected. So... If I have disdain towards femininity, let's say, because I'm a guy, and I also have disdain towards masculinity, but let's say I have disdain towards femininity, even if I'm not saying things to my son, if I, if, if I have a son, you know, and, and I do, that will be picked up by him. It'll be picked up. Do you think it'll also be picked up on his subconscious as well? Okay. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. No questions. Because there, there are lots of therapies out there that deal with nonverbal, which means it happened before, typically before you're two. And a lot of times when a person does um, counseling work, talk therapy, or shadow work, they'll have this huge emotion come forward, but they can't verbalize it. That's pre-verbal. So that means they're picking stuff up before they were even talking. Does your subconscious mind, does that store feelings or energy love feelings? Because it means it's like in our minds, I guess we're, we're remembering emotions or remembering how we feel. But what about on a metaphysical, spiritual level? Does your subconscious record what your spirit was at, at that point in time? Yeah, it, it can. And that's part of the process of working with this stuff is trying to reframe that. Because if you have a really strong mind and emotional pattern going, you can actually link in a memory with an emotion. And when that memory pops back up, the emotion will come forward. And in your experience doing healing work, how significant is laughter? And if laughter <laughs> is, is laughter like a, a super weapon against uh, the darkness and the blockages? Yeah, I mean, humor is, in classic terms, it is a defense mechanism, but I think it's one that you kind of need because at some point you got to laugh at yourself. If you can't laugh at yourself or what you're going through, and not in a your stupid way, but just in an acceptance way, like, oh, man, I did something silly there, you've got to start being able to laugh at yourself because it lightens things up. It makes you realize that we've all got stuff going on, you know, and I think the biggest thing that can happen there is if, if we would sit down with five people any random five people, and we would talk 10 minutes each about our pain, we'd realize we have the exact same pain. So they just come in different facets. All right. All right, Jeff, can you please tell us about this other site you're doing called Transcodes? Yeah, that's a that's a, a site that I partner with, uh, with Yona Brindis, who's also another um, um, energy worker. And in that site, we really focus on, I guess for a better, a lack of a better word, is what I would call like simple, practical spirituality. It's a site that has a lot of remote transmissions, which would be like group meditation processes, that really help a person take what I do in clearings another step further. We get into integration work and deeper connection work. And there are a multitude of um, processes there that can really, in, including myself, really help a lot of people. When I was dealing with, um, you know, going to the next step, I was looking for something to go deeper into my heart. And this, the, the teachings that were done there and the processes that were done through Transcodes 
really helped that. And then I partnered with Yona to add to that. Okay. And when you talk about transcripts, if somebody comes to you and says, Jeff, there's something I want to work on, and I guess I want to accelerate the process for which I learn it, kind of like Neo in uh, the movie Matrix, are you able to take the lesson and kind of facilitate or accelerate the speed for which that person's spirit learns, attains that lesson, incorporates that into their waking reality? I think we can. I, mean, I think that you can. The key thing is, is their intention. You know, if their intention is to really go in and do it um, and accept it fully, what I mean by that is integrate and internalize their journey. Yes, absolutely. Because the combination of the sites or, you know, a clearing with some stuff on the transcode site or just doing stuff to the transcode site can really beef that up because there's so many tools that allow a person to not only connect and work on meditation processes, say, or work on their energy, but there's also forums and emails. We go back and forth and we help them talk about the issues and talk about what they're going through so it speeds up the process. Got it. And you've done a number of seminars. You do you do a lot of these sessions where you take people out, you work with them, and yeah. um, you do one of them where you go about reconnecting with your inner child, Resolving anger. Can you please describe how a typical session would work and how people can sign up for these sessions? The sessions or the or the actual seminars? Uh, ses- the actual seminars. Sorry. Seminars. The seminars we set up. We have a, a process we go through. It's a three day, and again, the typical process is the first day is aligning to what we need to work on, whatever that is. And sometimes we have a theme. Sometimes we work with people to kind of keep it generic, so they bring up what they need to work on. So that's kind of like the first step, which is allowing and working, starting to work on clearing. The second day goes further into clearing, and there's a lot of um, psychoeducational material as well. And we do some basic meditation processes. And we also sometimes do a little bit of energy work with people. But then throughout the second day, we go into integration and connection. And the last day is all about connection. So you work to bring up the blocks that need to be worked on. Then you work to integrate them. And then you work to heal. And that's the whole process of those three-day events. And they're very intensive, um, but they're also, you know, soft in the same way. So it's a unique process where, you know, the last one we had, which was about a week ago, we had a very small group. But every single one, you could literally see the physical changes by the end. Oh, wow. So they're able to, that's really great to hear. I mean, you know, there was tons of release. And, you know, the inner child, the inner critical voice, shadow work, those are all processes that we work on because those are things that really affect people. All right. Now, in terms of uh, connecting with a person's inner child, what would you say would be some of the ways that uh, you can really make a connection with it? And what are some of the benefits of connecting with the inner child? If you have your inner child, say, for example, on a pedestal, the inner child is happy, what does the inner child in return give you? Does he, do they you know, take care of you? Do they give you like a lot of energy that a small child would mm-hmm. have? A lot of times we lock away parts of our small self. You know, we lock away parts due to traumas, due to abuse, due to um, suffering of some kind. And that part gets locked away. Sometimes energetically they're almost locked away in a room. So by reconnecting, you find out first there's going to be emotions and you work to let those emotions go. And then the whole goal of the inner child is to what was that part that got locked away? What did it need? A lot of times it's just love. A lot of times it's just connection. But in that process, a lot, I would say almost, at least in my experience, the majority of people have a lot of creativity return um, because in those hidden parts that we're told, no, you can't, um, you know, you're not good enough. How could you? Typically, those are those exploratory times of our lives where we're trying to figure out what works for us. So by reconnecting with that, which can take some time, um, you begin to re 
um, or bring that part back into you. And in that process, you regain some of those lost aspects, which could be hidden talents. Okay. Uh, and you know what? I have to say that there's some part of your site that I came across um, talking about your energy sessions. I wanted to go a little bit more deeper with it because you, you were talking about taking care of the blockages, removing the blockages, and you also have this other aspect of your site where you're actually able to kind of give an energy reading. Like they have these various companies that give you a credit score, and they right. give you all these things about what you're doing, and you seem to have the same thing about your energy. Listen, I'm going to tell you what chakras are blocked and and yep. then, can you please describe that? And also, can you please talk about the pet energy clearings? If I'm just sure. curious, like, why animals would need to have a clearing if they're supposedly, like, you know, all peace and love? Like, because, because again, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, hey, that's, it's a great yeah. question. You know, re, the reading is like a snippet. And I don't really try to go in. What it basically is, it's the beginning of a clearing session. So I go in, I sense a person's energy, I see or feel out what is coming up for them. So it might be block chakras, it might be emotional patterns, it might be a mental loop. And I basically take a real quick snippet and then I tell them about that. And then they can either choose to continue the work. And a lot of times with readings, you know, people read and then that's all they need. They can begin to work out themselves. Other times they want to take it a step further with energy work or transmission work. Um, the pet clearings are very interesting. I brought them up because I'm a huge dog lover. Um, and I had a couple dogs that had, I saw energy blocks in them, you know, either due to absorbing emotions of their family or their loved ones, or they had physical pains, you know, due to injuries and so forth like that. So through working with my, you know, some dogs from my past, I could see how that could benefit people. And um, I offered them, and they're not the biggest product, but people that actually come to my site and get that done. They're shocked a lot of times what happens with their dogs, mostly dogs and cats, but there are occasionally like other unique animals, um, you know, like horses mostly. And, you know, they have a chakra system. Animals have a chakra system just like humans do. Um, and they do get blocked sometimes. Most of the time it's absorption. Jeff, in your life, what was the greatest challenge or challenges you've ever faced and how did you overcome them? I think the biggest challenges were, you know, some, um, past relationships I went through, um, and also through that, I realized I had some serious shadow patterns. Um, and those patterns were facades that I had to deal with. And by dealing with those facades, I had to learn how to first see how tricky my ego was. My ego was extremely tricky. It would shift from one to the next. It would just basically flip a coin and do the exact same thing. Um, once I saw that, then it was a matter of just accepting that I made mistakes and that I had done things that weren't very good for, you know, my evolution and I just accept it and then work through those patterns every time they came up and try to stay in a um, heart space. And that did it. It took time, but it did it. Uh, and uh, Jeff, I want to thank you so, so much for your time today, for being on the show. And you can learn more about Jeff Casper by going to his website at selfunification.com. On there, you're going to see a regularly updated blog. You can get a remote healing session with them. He's got a lot of great tools and products that you can download, that you can pick up. Uh, my personal experience with Mr. Casper is that I know that he's worked with some of the most powerful, most significant metaphysical teachers in the world. Stuart Wilde, who we did an entire tribute to, thought very highly of Mr. Casper. And, um, you know, I'm so happy that uh, we had an opportunity to talk to you today, Jeff. Yeah, that'd be great. I appreciate it, Ryan. It was awesome. And, um, hey, thanks so much. Joining us now is globally respected, world-renowned psychic medium, Miss Carrie O'Connor, to provide some insight into Mr. Casper. 
Learn more about Ms. Carrie O'Connor by going to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Wait, I screwed it up, right? Is it done? No, carrieoconnor.com. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'll do it one more time. Sorry, and four, five, six. Joining us now is globally respected psychic medium, Ms. Carrie O'Connor. You can learn more about Carrie O'Connor by going to her website at carrieoconnor.com, and Carrie's with a K. Carrie, what can you tell us about Mr. Jeff Casper? I absolutely love Jeff Casper's energy. I know I said this to you on the show before. When I was listening to the interview, he's a wonderful healer. He's very, very balanced, and he's showing people how to get to their heart, the real heart, the sacred heart. And part of that process is we have to bypass what I refer to as the wounded heart. And so when I was looking into Jeff's energy field, I see him handing out keys, tools from the heart space, and it creates pathways so people could bypass a lot of their uh, issues. So a lot of people get in holding patterns, and he literally gives people keys and um, to bypass the wounded heart area and to create a pathway and strengthen that pathway to get into that sacred heart space, which allows us to be able to navigate through life where we're much more in the driver's seat of our how we're directing our life force when a lot of times part of the journey here, a lot of people are in the passenger seat and life happens to them. So he's is an amazing healer. I know he's done it many, many lifetimes. And I love the balance and of his energy field. I've met him. He reminded me of my brother instantly. Even my brother's a bodybuilder too. But he's so kind and he comes, again, from that heart space. And there's a saying that a, a healer friend of mine, um, Peggy Dubrow, said that this lifetime in particular, we came into this world to learn to think with our heart and feel with our head. Because a lot of times people are too much into their head and they're so disconnected to the heart. So Jeff gives easy tools, simple tools, and there's, they're profoundly effective, very effective, and it allows people to unlock themselves from holding patterns that they're in, to remove major, major blocks. Then I saw him in this lifetime where he was, it looked like he was working with the DNA, and it had all these different symbols on it, and he was a master of just um, getting to the, the, the core issue and being able to get the, like, the cancerous thoughts out of it, or what I call it the root cause, and then he's able to um, speed up the energy. So he's, it's amazing what he does. Sure. How would you compare him to Chris in terms of what they're doing and um, how they're kind of branching off? It seems that they're, yeah. they're very yes. – there are similarities, but it seems that they're almost now doing something different. Different, right. Well, you know, there's all different pathways that lead us to the heart, right? And the way I see it, and I could tell Jeff is on the same page with this, that the key, the key is to get to the heart and be able to – just let's say humanity has been living in that wounded area for a long time, our mind, our emotion, and ego. And so Jeff does it in one perception in one way. Chris does it in another level. Other healers do another level. I do another thing. I do sacred heart activation. Stuart was doing other things. So everybody, when it comes down to our energy healers, whether they realize it or not, the major blocks that are lead us all back to the heart. So we work on different parts of the energy field. It brings us back to the heart area. And so Jeff does it in one way. It's like going in one door. Chris goes into another door. As long as we're in that heart space, it's all good. And do you think that he is going to continue to expand his teachings? And do you think that he could? He has the potential to be something, someone really, really significant in the years to come? Because I almost feel like he's always at the beginning. 
Yes, absolutely. I totally agree. And part of it's a literal timing, a divine timing. I know he had to get different stuff in his personal life in order. And so it's, it's a one-two step. His own you know, karma, his own cycle, his own divine timing. And then the earth is ready to wake up for it. And he has the flexibility. He's got a strength. I mean, you, you know him. He's a big guy, but not even the physical um, body being big and strong. He's also got, he's a warrior spirit. And he does it in a very peaceful way. And it looks like he walks with not leaving a footstep um, on his path. And at the same time, he's a profound healer where just even being next to him, I used to see him do it when he worked with Chris and Stewart at the gigs, where he, people would be flocking to him and just wanting to be around his energy because he was giving them out these energetic keys or codes and it, when he doesn't even have to say a word and helping unlocking them from um, mind and emotion. It's, it's profound. This exchange is uh, beautiful. And sometimes the words get in the way. I said that a lot of times. We could get all wrapped up into the words. But if we just let the energy do what it's supposed to going to do, he really helps people raise their vibration. And that's what energy work is about. It's like going to the blocks, letting you get out of those holding patterns, and then it allows you to raise your vibration. And then you start speeding up on it. And he does keep on encouraging the people to empower themselves. He's like, I could speed up your energy as much as you want and heal you, but if you keep on going back to those patterns, it's going to continue. You'll go back to it, right? It's like a pathway that has been shut down so the energy can re. Um, recirculate in a different way but if the person doesn't work with the tools that he gives them then that pathway could get reopened but he really gives a lot of tools and um, energy work for the person to take what he does and and continue to work with it which is wonderful because that's all about self-empowerment and I know that he said many times that a lot of times people go to healers and energy workers, and I see this with myself, and, and we'll clear them. They'll feel great. We'll hear all these wonderful things about what their experience is, and then they want us to fix it so they'll come back six months later when they're not feeling good, like a tune-up. And part of the goal is is that we take the information, take the healing, but we do have to do something ourselves. We have to put our energy into it. That's really important, you know, and to continue to put our energy in it helps those pathways get open and stronger and strengthened. And then you literally are living in a different world. It's like being in this world and not of it or going from the trajectory of humanities um, uh, evolving has been in one path, right? When we start taking accountability and responsibility or going with Jeff and getting healings, it allows us to do the trajectory that looks to me like a 45 degree right. So we start evolving faster and it's not in that one path that humanity has been running down. This is the way you do it. It speeds up your evolutionary process. You start seeing and experiencing things on a multidimensional level. And you know what? People don't even have to know the words of that, Ryan. Sometimes I see people's energy, and I'll watch them do kind of like deer in the headlights when you talk, talk about multidimensions and multidimensional universes in and around us. They kind of do, you know. Um, but I, what I see what Jeff does in particular he helps people take that huge step of getting beyond holding patterns and blocks that have been keeping them for lifetimes in a certain spot. And he does it in such a gentle way, a kind way, but there's a real strength in there. It's like the peaceful warrior energy. And he gives, and he guides them, and then he allows them to take that step. And as soon as they feel that they're safe, then they continue the journey. That's a sacred job, and he does it beautifully. Wow. Carrie O'Connor, that was a phenomenal analysis so in-depth and thorough thank you thank you so much and to learn more about miss carrie o'connor please go to her website at carrie o'connor that's k carrie with a k carrie o'connor.com thank you ryan as always joining us now is globally respected psychic medium and past life reader miss laura lynn 
We can learn more about Laura Lynn by going to her website at angelreader.net. Ms. Lynn, what can you tell us about Mr. Jeff Casper? Well, I, I, I read into a really big, big part of his past, and the uh, most magnificent past that I saw with him was rather um, yeah, amazing. So what I got was that he was living in a European country. I don't know. I felt like it was France. Maybe it, it was England. I'm not sure. But he was a sense of a sorcerer, astrologer, and he did get jailed for treason. And I have a strong feeling that he is still keeping that locked up part partially inside of him. What do you or, well, I feel like that in this lifetime, for whatever reason, part of that soul transferred and it come back to him, where he is still locked up and there's a residual embodiment that's still there in jail. And I feel like if that was freed, he would be free to just really move this out, this information that he's one that he's captured. Okay, so so what do you think that um he's hesitant about uh fully utilizing and fully pushing out all of his uh gifts and abilities because he has a strong connection to this previous life where he was in jail? Yes. Yes, that's what I was picking okay. up. You think it's a subconscious thing? I mean, do you think that any, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the the information he's putting out there, I I don't know how anyone could perceive it to be as a uh, as a threat to anything and or I I don't either, but this is his own individual fear, and it I don't even think it's on a conscious level. Oh. I don't even think he knows it's there. Okay. All right. So, what about some? Of the, did you pick up on any of his other uh, previous lives? I did. I saw over and over in some capacity he was a healer and shamanic. Uh, he he worked with uh, with children for one lifetime where he would help them develop uh, ways. Well, it, he was a teacher in essence, but he went deeper with it. Okay. And uh, what and what that, timeline did you see that, this? That was actually early, or I'm sorry, mid-1800s, and that was the last last lifetime that I tapped into. Okay. But he was very a very unique teacher. It wasn't um, like school rows. He, in a sense, did what... Um, what we see in more uh, open schools now, like a Montessori-type education. It was interesting to watch that. Okay. And uh, what is his uh, purpose in this life that you can gauge? Uh, two, the purpose would be teaching and healing, you know, teaching the, the, the really strong capacity of what we can do internally through the flow of the cosmos universal energy and it's it's very powerful what he does. And have you ever seen any kind of visualizations of what he described about the healings and how he kind of works to remove blockages? I could see that um really well and I liked how he described it. It was it was again that's where I was feeling the power from what he does. And I I think he he has something that's you know, we can all access and he's really doing a wonderful job presenting okay. it. And in your experience, uh, if you look at someone and you uh, do a reading for them, and you, maybe you sense or pick up these blockages, are you able to just take what those blockages are and kind of say, listen, based on what these blockages are, I'm getting the feeling that these blockages could be related to 
this aspect or that aspect of your life, and that's how you would uh, identify them and help them in that way? Yes, when I'm doing a reading, a past life reading, they'll they'll be presented, and then we, uh, once you find out what the blockage is, oftentimes that's enough to release it, but we can also go in with what I call an angel ray healing and help restore that that part of the soul. It's pretty impressive what can happen to a person after that type of healing. And uh, real quick, the information that uh, Jeff is bringing about or teaching right now uh, seems to be akin to Stuart Wilde, seems to be akin to Chris Krepsik. Is this knowledge and information, has this been with humanity for a long period of time, or is this knowledge and information, uh, is this newly discovered, or has this been with humanity for a long period of time that we're only rediscovering it right now? Right. I think it's always been there, and people are reinterpreting it that's being called to it. And I believe that the people who are called to it is, you know, they've already lived it in the past. So they they know it so deeply inside, it's it's like being at home. Miss Laura Lynn, thank you so much for your analysis. Please go to Miss Lynn's website at angelreader.net and to learn more about Laura and to get a reading from Laura. Laura, thank you so much. Great analysis. Thank you, Ryan. Okay. Joining us now is globally respected psychic medium, Miss Lisa Kaza. You can learn more about Lisa Kaza by going to her website at Lisa Kaza, C-A-Z-A, dot com. Miss Lisa, what can you tell us about Mr. Jeff Casper? Well, the very first thing I, um, I noticed was that he actually talks a lot about, you know, when it comes to the, the emotional blocks the, or the uh, subconscious blocks, um, it's very interesting that I actually talk about the exact same thing with my own clients. But the difference between the two of us is that he deals with those blocks on the more energetic level, whereas for me, I'm talking with them on the more emotional and psychological side of things. And I noticed that he uh, just recently decided to pursue um, uh, schooling in psychology. So that um, you know, kind of confirmed for me that we're we're similar, but we're different. But the thing is, as a result of this training that he's going through in in the psychology, this is going to greatly amplify or strengthen his abilities and his work that he's already doing. And with him being as powerful as what he truly is on the energetic level, um, his work, I feel, once he gets through that training, uh, I, I like to see someone try to surpass that. Okay, so try you, to surpass him. So you think that he, he's got the potential to be someone really, really uh, powerful and significant in this uh, evolutionary field or this uh, exploration field or energetic? Indeed. Kind of oh yeah. Uh, like he's he's just starting out though. This is the thing. Um, like he 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 does carry a lot of wisdom. It does carry a lot of ability. Um, but the thing is, he's just starting out with this. So just I can just imagine what he's going to be like um, just within a year, following his entire you know course of the psychology and the years beyond. I mean, he's just he's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal healer. Okay, um, and is there any kind of energy reading or similarities in his energy field that you can equate to other individuals whom uh, we've discussed or people that you've read over the course of the years? Yeah, he does. He, he does seem to have 
um, some similarities there when, it, uh, for example, with Chris Krepsik. Okay. I feel that there is uh, an extremely strong influence there. I feel that they've actually done a lot of astral traveling together. He never mentioned it, but I got a feeling that they have. Yeah. Um, I also feel that they've worked with each other before in, in previous lifetimes. Um, that's the influence that comes through the strongest for me. It definitely, Chris Krepsek for sure. Um, now, w- the other thing that I have to say is that I kind of almost feel like it, I have to actually go back to Chris Krepsek for a second. Um, I took a look at where um, Mr. Casper's spirit has, has come from. Him and, and, and Chris Krepsek pretty much come from almost almost the same, um, if you want to call it a realm. Okay. Uh, like they, they uh, it's, it's more of, um, the best way to describe it is that it's not of this worldly plane. It is more so of an, uh, another worldly plane. Okay. Uh, in the stars, <laughs> uh, way up above us. Um, but both of them, they also have similar um, paths in terms of um, past lives. Like I see, for example, um, Mr. Casper being, for the most part, I don't know how many lifetimes over and over, of you know, being the titan, being the Roman god kind of thing with the helmet and, you know, the furry combed helmet and dressed in the armor. He was knight. Um, it was the very same thing with, with Chris Krepsik. But um, so that with that being said, that's where, you know, how you had mentioned early on in, in your interview with him that he's very built physically and he's he's a rock. Yeah. And like I can't really tell that from the picture that I that I've looked at, but I, I believe you firstly, <laughs> and but secondly I can feel it. The physical strength in this man is just phenomenal. What that actually is, I find it very interesting, is that that's all of his past life seeping into this this present life. So what did you see him in that, in that the, past life? What, a distinctive past life you recognize in him. Well, uh, uh, like I said, like it, I've j- I wasn't really shown specifics. All I caught were flashes, but it was every single lifetime up until this one. Anyways, it's all been about protection and fighting and fitness, physical strength and valor. So you know, whatever, whether it is with the Romans, mm-hmm. um, with the Titans, and like I said, sword in hand. Uh, with the you know being knight in in England for, is another one. I also see him as a Celtic warrior in another lifetime. So I mean, like I can't pinpoint specific lifetimes. All I can tell you is that every single one of them up up until this point has been all about. And this is very actually a key important aspect: physical protection. There's, we need more spirit, spirituality, more ascension, more awareness today than ever. And so that's why he's here. And he's going to continue doing that. Awesome. Ms. Lisa Kaza, thank you for your great analysis. And to learn more about Ms. Lisa Kaza, please go to her website at Lisa, L-I-S-A, Kaza, C-A-Z-A, dot com. Thanks again, Ms. Lisa. Have a great night, Ryan. Joining us now. To provide some insight on where Mr. Jeff Casper is in the stars, 
is Miss Constance Dulles, astrologer Miss Constance Dulles. Learn more about Miss Dulles by going to her website at ConstanceDellas.com. Miss Dulles, what can you tell us about Mr. Casper? Well, um, Jeff is a Cancerian, a water sign. Okay. And what, uh, I mean, there are many things that are interesting about his chart, but from a very brief look at some of his activities, he's involved with energy medicine and healing, and he also seems to have an affinity and running men's groups um, in, uh, I believe, California. And I find that interesting in terms of his chart because of the presence of the sign of uh, the water sign cancer, which is a feminine sign. This has nothing to do with sexual orientation whatsoever. It's a matter of receptivity. And um, he also has Venus in the water sign of cancer. So this allows a great deal of sensitivity and then we see Mars, which is the assertive energy in a chart, in Aquarius. So he's really interested, according to his chart, and capable of, let's say, pushing the envelope so that people, uh, and I'm sure he works with both men and women, but uh, what caught my eye was the men's groups, of pushing the definition of stereotypic gender roles and balancing that. Um, he uh, and that's kind of um, I would say, well, it's a gift and it's also a direction that the society uh, as a whole is going in, because we're all looking for new ways of being and new consciousness here. And the standard, you know, he-man dragging Jane to the cave. I mean, standard. That that already is old-fashioned, <laughs> but that that's just not going to work at all. And uh, he is an artistic soul and has a way of communicating that I think is very, um, is both powerful and sensitive. Um, his moon sign is Gemini, and that is the gift of verbal communication. And then when we look at his um, rising sign, which is determined by the um, time of birth, it is Aries which is kind of the, the war god, Mars, you know, assertion. So he has a, a group of talents that make him uniquely capable of um, uh, expressing things in a new way and getting to the heart of the matter. And um, I think that his energy work will develop, and I see that he's also taking a master's in, in counseling, and uh, interestingly enough, he will be able to blend um, a certain, let's say, otherworldly or outer limits, you know, uh, sensitivity with the, with the here and now. Um, he, like many of the people that we've taken a look at their charts, is low on earth. <laughs> uh, the element of earth is not predominant in the chart. Uh, water, air, fire. Um, and earth is the more, let's say, concrete practical. So that's a little challenge in his life to see how he can use his creativity in a practical way. So I think getting the degree that he is um, pursuing is a very good idea. And then um, something, uh, so he, does he, I know he writes blogs and articles. He'll write a book, I'm sure, um, and his writing is very important. And he also has a formation of planets together called the Grand Cross. 
And uh, this is many people born around 1971, which is when he was born, have this formation. And the Grand Cross is in, in effect now in the sky. So people that are born with this pattern have a certain understanding of the stresses and strains that the whole planet are, uh, is under right now. And they're, it's, it's almost like a vaccination, you know. They have it inside them, so they are not as thrown as other people who are saying, my God, what's going so on? So you're saying like vaccination to what, the, the changes, the subtle, the changes that are happening? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because that those stresses and strains were part of his makeup from his birth. There are many people um, in his generation and around that time. I mean, some people aren't paying attention, but he is paying attention. And these people are having a, it's they're familiar with the uh, stress patterns that we have in the sky right now. So being familiar, they're not going to go will be um, kind of overwhelmed by them. They're going to be able to help us and the people they work with lead us out into a different kind of, um, uh, well, you could say consciousness or, or a different way of behaving. Okay, I, I need to ask you real quick. In the level of, of calling about stresses that are happening right now, are these stresses unprecedented in this life cycle that we've come to know or the last four or 500 years Yes, they are. Okay, why and why are they unprecedented? And what will happen to people who, hypothetically speaking, cannot handle the stresses of that? So can you um, explain a little bit about what these stresses are? Yes, I can. Sure. Um, we see uh, someone sent me an email and say said something about um, our well, the heck with the email. People are are uh, exploding for no quote unquote reason. Sometimes it's medications, but. The rash of, of um, young people and the shootings, um, this isn't poor parenting necessarily. This is uh, a reaction to the idea, not the idea, but the fact that the society is not, is, is not supporting people in a way that's uh, healthy for their development. And out of this kind of psychic despair, which these people may not be aware of, but they're just Kaboom. And that has something to do with what I said before also about the gender roles. I mean, that, that poor, rich, privileged kid in California was, went, went off the deep end because uh, g girls wouldn't speak to him or he, he, couldn't, he couldn't get a date or something. So there's something very wrong in the messages that society as a whole is sending. Okay, so I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. We're just saying that um, you're saying that society right now, obviously, maybe they're not keeping up with being able to, I guess, properly educate or properly contain people or allow properly nurture, nurture people. properly nurture people. Yeah. Education is a is a factor of the mind, and we are brilliant at learning more things and doing things super duper fast. And you know, we've got people learning Mandarin and doing all sorts of things which is, is, is very productive. But uh, the feeling of living in the world is not being affirmed. It's being trounced. And where would you see Mr. Casper from, uh, what is your gut feeling saying, like say for example in the next five years, because what we want to do is that we want to follow up with him maybe in about five or six years and 
I well, there's one other interesting thing I'd like to, to note about his sure. chart. You know, in other people's charts, I was saying that this may be one of the, the last lifetimes around the, around the wheel. Mm. In fact, Jeff Casper is setting up his karma, his lessons, his challenges, his talents for many lifetimes to come. Um, and um, this, this means that he has a, a greater responsibility soul-wise for choosing the high road. We'll call, I'll call it that. Um, because as he evolves, he will, he will be making choices that will be affecting lifetimes down the road. Um, and um, his position five years from now is I think that his um, intuitive um, abilities will, will grow and uh, that he does have a role to play in terms of balancing I hate to say new gender roles. It sounds so boring, but ways of people communicating that that aren't um, uh, encapsulated in stereotypes that really don't work anymore. And so, do you think that this is actually his first uh, time here, first time on Earth? No, I doubt that. But but I think he's going to be around for a long, okay. long time. Oh. And um, and uh, that you know he may have you know this lifetime be taking a leap in terms of his consciousness, and that will set things up for um, um, lifetimes to come. Miss Constance Ellis, that was a phenomenal insight analysis, and we appreciate it very much. Please, My pleasure. Yeah, please learn more about Miss Constance Stellis by going to her website at ConstanceStellis.com. Thank you, Constance. My pleasure. Okay, that concludes tonight's episode of The Outer Limits of Inner Truth. We want to thank Mr. Jeff Casper for joining us tonight. You can go to his website again at selfunification.com. We want to thank our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Lisa Caza, Miss Laura Lynn, and Miss Constance Stellis. You can all learn about their websites and who they are by going to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. On behalf of everyone here, thank you so much for listening and have an unbelievable rest of the week. Wish you infinite peace and love. Thank you. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. Fashion emergency hotline. Help! My mom has been 
think I need to go back to school You shop- have to go to school. It's the law. You didn't let me finish. She doesn't think I need to go back to school shopping. That should be a law. Go to Old Navy. You'll be voted best dressed before school even starts. Old Navy? Yes. Right now, kids' clothes are up to 60% off. 60% off? Yeah. The hallway will be your runway. They have awesome graphic tees, colorful active gear, and jeans start at just $10. Now you're talking. Thank you. Don't thank me. Thank Old Navy. Balance 728-92. Select styles only. Your happily ever after is waiting for you in the Chrysler Pacifica and Pacifica Plug-In Hybrid. With available all-wheel drive, Pacifica helps handle adverse conditions like magic. And with the Plug-In Hybrid, it can help your range anxiety disappear. Make your drive even more enchanted in the Chrysler Pacifica. And watch Disney's Disenchanted, now streaming only on Disney Plus, rated PG. Disney Plus subscription required. Must be 18 plus to subscribe. EPA estimated 520 mile total range with a fully charged battery. Actual mileage may vary.